재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Last week, Peng Namgi, a farmer and an activist who was hit by a police water cannon during a protest last November, uh, was in a comatose state uh, subsequently for about 10 months, uh, died. Uh, spending that uh, entire time in a hospital. Now, state prosecutors have requested an autopsy on the body to determine the exact cause of death. Uh, This, needless to say, has uh, drawn a furious reaction and backlash uh, from family members as well as his supporters who've demanded that the government itself issue an apology instead. Now, the, the political climate certainly uh, indicates that there will be a lot of tensions uh, leading up to this and a lot of questions over how the police acted uh, during this incident, uh, the role of protesters, the idea of these so-called professional uh, protesters. And it can be a sensitive uh, and controversial issue. We're going to try to uh, cut through all of that with some analysis. Give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51. Or send us a Kakao Talk message. Joining us here in the studio, our good friend, as always, for our Wednesday panel discussion from Hanguk University of Foreign Studies, Professor Huang jong Professor Huang, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the state prosecutors are requesting that they be allowed to conduct an autopsy on uh, Peck's body. Uh, just first of all, what are your thoughts on the criticism that the authorities may be trying to skate or evade uh, legal responsibility to try to somewhat, and again, this is going to be a, the cynical view that uh, they're going to kind of trump up this scientific kind of case that Peck's death was caused by something else other than this water cannon. Well, I wish I could read the minds of the prosecutors and the police who are pushing for getting, obtaining the autopsy warrant. So the status quo is that the court has rejected the request and the prosecutor office is actually going to re-request. So we'll see how the court reacts. Um, according to media reports, supposedly a high-ranking prosecutor actually went over to the Judiciary Committee at the National Assembly this morning. And apparently the explanation is that it is not that the prosecutors are doubting that it was the water cannon that was the basic cause, but they want to figure out this, quote, exact mechanism. And I have no idea what that really means. Mm. And um, if taken, assuming that the media report is correct, I'm really curious what what is exactly is the political calculation behind the mm. decision to pursue autopsy. Um, as far as I can see, this can only uh, invite backlash. So I am a little puzzled by the political calculation done by the prosecutor's right. office. So when you say, quote-unquote, exact mechanism, we're, we're saying, oh, is it blunt force trauma or was it some hemorrhaging in the brain? Exactly, yeah. And I, I guess that's what they're saying. But they're not saying we're not going to necessarily dispute the actual uh, premise of uh, the water cannon being the cause of the injury. or right? Exactly. There's a video recording of uh, Mr. Back being hit by the water cannon. The water cannon was operating at you know extremely high speed. That was very, very dangerous. This has come out in, yeah. in various hearings and investigative reports. So I don't think the prosecutor is going to find any really mm. new information from the autopsy to really reverse that. So why they need to figure out the exact mm. mechanism where you know the water cannon is generally viewed as the proximate cause? I mean, it is a bit of a puzzling act by the prosecutors, I must say. You said um, you're not really clear on the political strategy behind this. Let's let's talk about this. Uh, them demanding the autopsy and. 
if I was, let's say, a public relations um, consultant and I was advising the police and the prosecution and, and going through this, and let's say maybe they even have savvy PR people on their step, but of <laughs> the optics is just knowing cognizant that fair or unfair, there is a deep mistrust oh, with the government, course. and that includes the police and that includes the prosecution. Yep. And knowing that a maneuver like this would in, then ensue more backlash. Um, the optics just doesn't it, I mean it just seems very clear from the very beginning that asking for this publicly and very aggressively oh, yeah. uh, and even continuously yep. seems like it's a bad move so <laughs> that's you basically PR, just from a PR exactly I mean you just spelled out exact, uh, the, my exact puzzlement so I mean I basically will have to play you know, something of a devil's advocate okay. which in this case kind of even boggles my mind I suppose if I'm trying to justify this action at some rational level, I suppose the prosecutor's office might be appealing to really conservative element of Korean society who looks upon violent demonstrators with extreme right. suspicion and say that, hey, this guy, you know, Mr. Bag was on the forefront of uh, these demonstrations and there was some incidents of violence. So perhaps, you know, you know, by pursuing this and bringing this up, maybe we, uh, we can um, solidify the sentiments among the very conservative faction of the Korean society. But, I mean, even saying that, I, it just seems such, such a bad political yeah. calculation, which leads me to believe that I'm just a little puzzled why they think that this is such a great idea. No, that devil's advocate position, and I suppose, um, I, I suppose that narrow wedge that, you, that yep. they're trying to find, that could be the theory, right? I, I guess rile up the base ahead of these um, right. big elections coming up next year. Um, maybe not net play to the middle, but make sure that part of the electorate is energized. So, I, I mean, it's a very far afield, tangential thing, but it's the same as build that wall, right? You riling yeah. up a certain segment of a population that always did not like professional protesters or just the protest environment here in this country and... So a great analogy to, you know, what's going on with, you know, Donald Trump in the U.S. So, you know, his strategy is to rile up, you know, the basically anti-immigration movement in the U.S. So is the similar thing happening with the prosecutor's strategy? Well, I mean, I think the Trump analogy is great because that strategy has a definite ceiling, right? It was yes. sufficient enough to get through in a crowded field of Republican pr- primary, but he's having real trouble getting ahead of Hillary Clinton in a one-on-one matchup. Yeah. Same in Korea. I mean, the conservative part of Korean society is not the majority. It might be the biggest faction among the various factions to consider, but it's definitely not sufficient to get a strong, you know, solid majority in the Korean, any kind of Korean election. As we've seen, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the ruling party was soundly defeated in the last election. So even taking that calculation into account, I still can't really see that this is a definitely a good political move. Okay, so even with that, yeah. in, in considered you go, is this a winning play? Is, yeah. I guess that's still in question. Then let's turn to, aside from the political calculations, just this overall debate. And it doesn't really have to only uh, deal with the uh, Peng Nangi case, but it's something that, of course, now is a focus. But the idea of excessive use of force or police brutality, and this might bring back uh, bad memories, so I suppose, from regimes of the past where this was actually oh, a much yes. bigger uh, and definite uh, problem. But uh, this idea that with the the police and the legal definitions of what exactly uh, constitutes excessive force, uh, they were they are saying they did not aim specifically. They were it was kind of just indiscriminate in terms of how they were shooting. They didn't even have a clear side of view. I, I think that's what yep. their point of view is. Um, 
obviously the protesters, Peck's family, his supporters are saying, no, this is completely overstepping the bounds as a police officers. Can you just kind of gauge the argument for us, both legally and I suppose just socially? Right. Um, I guess the biggest argument that government and, you know, sort of the, the conservative faction that I was referring to could muster in order to at least rationalize the government's action in connection with the use of water cannon was that, you know, the demonstration had violent elements. And Mr. Beck was very much at the forefront. So in some sense, uh, I suppose government could kind of say, hey, this was really unfortunate, but it was an accident. You know, not not an uh, accident that cannot be really understood in the context of, you know, uh, some violent pro- protesters and you know police clashing yeah. with each other. On the other hand, you do have to realize that, you know, whenever there's government action involved, you think about whether the action is really proportional to whatever risk mm. and danger mm. they're facing. And given the fact that, you know, the water cannon was something that, you know, everybody has now recognized to be very, very potent, very dangerous, has caused the death of Mr. Beck. I I guess uh, from a common sense point of view, and I, I think even in the legal ter- uh, uh, legal point of view, you do have to apply the common sense. Uh, it doesn't really look like a proportional mm. response from the government. So, again, um, the optics-wise, a person has died, right? It, yeah. That really, you know, tugs on people. I mean, I my sincere condolences, condolences go out to the Pack family. And I think even the you know hardest, most conservative observers in Korea will say, "Hey, it, that is really too bad." So I think the emotional mm. pull. In this case, doesn't really help the government's case, right? But that disproportionate use of force, the asymmetrical, I suppose, right. element of it, and I don't want—we don't want to wade into that debate at all. But it's the same thing that we see with the Israeli and Palestinian oh, issues, yeah, right? Absolutely. With the might of the Israeli forces uh, going into uh, Palestinian territories, or, or I guess with their retaliatory right. measures that a lot of people feel uh, is. Maybe excessive. Again, we're not going to get into that at all. I guess I just stepped into it, but um, minefield. (laughs) Taking again that very conservative argument. um, On the flip side, what do you then say if there is this uh, school of thought that says Peck? He's a professional, you know, they ter- use that term, professional, professional protester. protester yep. These are rabble rousers. These are not necessarily kind of uh, hard, heartfelt people who are in it for the livelihoods of all people. And look, these riot police, they're kids. These could be our sons. There's these 19, 19 year old guys who are just conscripted in the army. They don't know what they're, they're not trying to hurt people. And they are often just as victimized as uh, what the uh, police are accused of with with how they treat the protesters. I mean, you you hear that argument a lot, right? And I think that is the tragedy of you know situation. If you are ever in the center of Seoul and you know happen to observe these protesters, you know literally the police is you know basically a nineteen year old, twenty year old kids all clad clad in uh, riot gear, and then protesters, you know, they're. 50-year-old you know, men, 50 old maybe. Man, yeah, you know. And they're slapping them. Exactly. And, yeah. and um, yeah, it's not a pretty sight. On the, uh, and try to trying to pin the blame on one side or the other, I suppose, is a bit, bit of a 
futile exercise when the real decision makers are really not on the ground. And even in the water cannon, I mean, the, it turns out that the operator of the water cannon was not trained in the proper usage of water cannon. So I think there was some element of maybe not intentionality, but certainly in you know reckless, recklessness, mm-hmm. negligence in connection with operation of the water cannon. So still, I don't think the optics is very good for the government. Yeah, and with these optics, uh, hypothetically, if there can be uh, definitive uh, evidence uh, found that there was a direct causal effect from this water cannon uh, to leading up to the uh, the injuries suffered, the comatose state, and the subsequently the death of uh, Mr. Pack, um, what legal recourse would his family or his, uh, criminally speaking, civil courts, what, what would they be able to do? I mean, certainly in theory, they should be able to both sue the government civilly for wrongful death lawsuit. And there could be, you know, criminal charges in connection with, you know, the manslaughter charges for recklessness or negligence. I mean, again, these, these are legal theories that are certainly valid, but this is a highly, highly political case. So, and with cases like this, you know, especially the prosecutor's office can, can be very, uh, calculating in terms of the politics and optics. So, I mean, it's one thing to have the legal theories on your side, but you also have to really uh, think about the political reality. There might be a sense, and, you know, people have short memories. It's been, what, we're four years into this uh, Pakane administration's term. It's a one-term presidency, and some people might feel, and you just look at this, I suppose, this uh, recency bias about Mr. Peck. Uh, and his death and going, police are just more brutal now than than ever before. I'm not sure that's the case. Uh, we had a previous administration, Lee Myung Bak, and I think that was largely uh, the big tragedy there was the, the so-called Yongsan Chansa, right. the, the mm-hmm. big uh, fight between the squatters, well, not the squatters, but the people who did not want to be dislodged from that's their right. homes and mm-hmm. the redevelopment uh, plans there. Um, not necessarily a heavier hand this time around, or is it maybe a heavier hand or lack of sensitivity? I suppose, I mean, you know, uh, it's a single death versus multiple deaths with the, uh, the Yongsan tragedy. So it's, you know, kind of difficult comparison to make. I suppose the basic frustration is, you know, a lot of people do see the current administration as a continuation of the Yim Myung-bak administration. And, you know, many people probably feel that it's just an extension of what happened with the Yongsan. So, you know, it's just same old, same old for 10 years for a lot of people out there who are uh, who have something of a, you know, opposing views to the government. So I suppose you can sort of see it in that context how, you know, the world has been stuck in this kind of anti-democratic uh, atmosphere for quite some time, basically. But again, that's one particular sure, way of looking sure. looking at the status quo in Korea. Yeah, and, and one can argue that uh, if you are a critic of this current administration, that maybe not so much police brutality, but other ways, whether it's through cyber oh, surveillance yeah. and, and all these other things that have occurred where they feel that maybe uh, certain freedoms have uh, been curtailed as a result and not necessarily just because of a police beating you over the head with a baton. And so certainly a lot of arguments can be uh, made uh, on, on multiple fronts there. One factor I think that a lot of critics of this administration seems to have that they kind of consistently point to whether you're talking about this Hewell Ferry or the MERS outbreak is a reluctance to issue mea culpas. And and so I, I think some people feel you're not if you're a police or if you're a prosecutor, you're not supposed to apologize, especially right. for incidents like this or even ex- uh, offer expressions of regret. Uh, do you think the critics of that who say you should have a point? 
Well, I mean, certainly, I think by action, the government, uh, the, this administration has clearly shown preference to never say sorry. Basically, I think that's clear enough, and it seems that it's reasonable to infer from that that the administration feels probably feels that saying sorry means uh, signs of weakness and. For whatever reason, that's uh, that's a position that this government just does not want to find itself in. Personally, I think that's actually a wrong calculation from the human psychology point of view. Yeah, you know, showing strength when you're strong, but at the same time, when you know everybody makes makes mistakes, everybody makes uh, uh, miscalculations. So saying sorry when you are actually wrong. No one can be correct 100% yeah. of the times. I think that actually probably strengthened the government's hands more by having this somewhat kind of obstinate, somewhat mm. unreasonable stance. I think that they are exacerbating the situation quite a bit. Politically speaking, as we go forward and the, always the cross kind of counter accusations, we all, well, the opposition is going to be exploiting this for political sure. gain. Um, we talked about wedge issues. It, it feels like this whole thing <laughs> with the National Assembly and trying to get rid of Chung Se-gyun for issuing statements that, right. again, is trying to rile up a certain... <laughs> Do you agree that it's sort of riling up a certain segment of the population as Come far on. as people who actually care about this issue? Uh, right it's now. National Assembly, right? I right. mean, the politics is the number one game. I mean, and everybody's playing that game. So, you know, the to, point to think otherwise right. naive, right? But the point I'm making is that we uh, here in this studio, we have now access to these wonderful LCD <laughs> screens that kind of uh, showcase different news feeds yep. uh, from everywhere. And really, it's been dominated by the Cheng Se-gyun story. Um, uh, we've been talking about dirty prosecutors, about dirty... Dirty, uh, allegedly dirty uh, Blue House officials, judges, and what have you. All of these other things coming into play. I'm not sure how much, uh, I suppose, momentum this story will have as far as being a strong political factor yeah. going forward. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you have a, gr- a very a great valid point. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, as... You know, we, we talk about news cycle, right? And everybody's just focused on what what are the top stories in the current news cycle. But in this day and age, what news cycle is considered to be not even 24 hours yeah. these days, right? I mean, who knows exactly where people's attention will be focused on in the next news cycle. And I'm, I'm talking about like in 12 hours time, basically. So uh, that's the kind of the a brave new world that we, we live in. Yeah, and that is unfortunate because some of the wider issues, the issues of uh, excessive use of force by the police, um, we are chattering about it. We are arguing, debating about it. But as you say, 12 hours from now, uh, will that still be the case? You hope so, but maybe not. All right, we're going to have to uh, leave it there. Professor Huang, it's always a pleasure to have you in the studio, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much.